Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, we talked about Santa. What the hell is up with magical elves? Just like Willy Wonka has his Oompa Loompas, Santa Claus has his elves, his little helpers. And in my last podcast, I was talking about the kind of supernatural origin if you will, of Santa Claus. By the way, I forgot to mention this to you. Um, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, children, pawnbrokers, and brewers. That's right, brewers, people who make beer. (laughs) that's one good thing about Catholics. They don't hold a drink against you. And that's why St. Nicholas should be just plastered, no pun intended, should be, (laughs) he should be pasted, he should be posted all over the town of Asheville, North Carolina, my hometown, because it's known as Beer City due to the number of and the quality of its breweries, especially microbreweries. So, interesting little tidbit there about St. Nicholas and maybe some eggnog. But anyway, how is it that this guy, Santa Claus, as we know him today, became associated with elves? Well, they say that all the way back to the earliest days of this figure, based on St. Nicholas, Sinterklaas, Father Christmas-type figure. He always had some kind of helper or helpers. In some cases, there were uh, groups of boys that were called Yule Lads that would run around in parts of Europe, and they would play tricks on kids. They would do little mischievous things, but they also would make up for it by leaving little gifts around. And if you think about that in context, it's interesting because we're talking about Yule Lads. So these are, are little little boys, basically, you know, so they're not elves, but they, they kind of are close in size to an elf. And they're being tricky and mischievous and sort of darting in and out, playing tricks. And we hear all the time about, you know, leprechauns and tricky little things like that. But they always are associated with treasure with abundance and just like that pot of gold. Now, so there are other helpers that Santa has been associated with that are uh, are more controversial even today. Um, there is one figure in uh, parts of Europe called uh, Zwart Piet, and he is Santa's helper wearing colonial garb, and the reason he's controversial is because that he is portrayed in blackface. And they say that he was um, a Moor from Spain or something like that. And so to this day, you have people in certain parts of Europe who will go out there and put on blackface and run around with center claws. And um, you can see why that that would never, ever fly in most places on on Earth. But... This concept of Santa having elves that specifically live with him at the North Pole 
is actually much more modern than you might think. Um, supposedly, the first time this appeared, well, actually, let me just put it this way. Um, the, in, in the story, uh, A Visit from Santa or whatever, which we now know was, was the night before Christmas, uh, when that poem was published, I think it was in the 1820s. I'm not 100% sure about that. Santa himself was referred to as an elf, as a jolly old elf, which could make a little bit more sense if you think that this guy is capable of coming down a chimney, right? That would be helpful. Um, but it wasn't until the 1850s when Louisa May Alcott published a book about Christmas that she really fleshed out this story of Santa's magical elves helping him at his workshop at the North Pole, you know, the way that we think of it today. And, of course, she's famous for writing uh, Little Women. So, interesting, she was fascinated by little things. Uh, and so, it does seem, however, that if you consider Santa Claus, as we know him today, as this big, boisterous character that is really directly from the... Um, sort of Germanic Santa Claus figure. Um, it would make sense that he would start thinking of him having maybe magical elves as helpers because those uh, cold northern places, similar to how you envision the North Pole, those are the places where legends of elves and trolls and things like that have been extremely popular for hundreds if not thousands of years and so if you're going to envision santa lives way up north in, the, in a snowy land well that's where you also happen to find these magical little creatures um in fact uh i believe that the word elf if you actually go back and you look at the origin of that word it means white being and you might wonder, well, why, why in the world would they call an elf what we think of as an elf? Why would that be a white being? Well, again, they live in the snow, right? They live up in these areas that are mysterious, that are scary, that are dangerous, places that were so difficult to explore. Many of them are still not properly explored. But what do you see everywhere? You see snow and ice. It's all white, and I guess if you saw some little person who lives in that environment, they're probably going to be covered with snow. So everything's going to look white. So also at Christmas time in many parts of the United States, you get snow. Um, we just, you know, there's, there's a lot of snow on the ground right now on the eastern seaboard. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm very happy to be out west, so to speak, right now, because I'm not a big fan of snow. I've seen plenty of it, and I'm, I, I do understand the beauty of it, but uh, I'm happy to just be in, in an arid desert for now. <laughs> um, so put all those combinations together, okay? We have this idea of Santa Claus who appears during snowy seasons. He loves the snow. He lives in the snow. Elves and other little beings live in these snowy regions, and uh, they help him out. Well, now, something else, though, that's intriguing is that for years and years and years, as a paranormal investigator, early on, 
people would tell me from time to time about seeing some kind of what they would call a little person. Um, some people call them leprechauns. Some people call them fairies. I mean, they're, you know, brownies. You talk to a real expert on this subject, they, they are just like rolling their eyes like, oh, my God. Is he saying that the that a, an elf and a brownie is the same thing? This guy's an idiot. You know, there are people who really break this stuff down and categorize it very well. What I can tell you, however, is that growing up in Western North Carolina, I would occasionally bump into someone who would say, "I have seen a little person." That's what they would say. And and you know, now we are distinguishing between a normal little person and a little person with some kind of paranormal essence, okay? And I'll tell you just about a couple of occasions when I met people who said that they actually saw these little people. And because, like, sometimes I would hear this stuff from strangers, and you just never know what to believe when you hear a story from a stranger. Um, like one woman said when she was a little kid, a bunch of these little people – broke into her house and they were having a party and they're dancing on the furniture and swinging from the chandeliers and all that kind of thing. It reminds you of like a scene from Darby O'Gill and the little people. Uh, that's very hard to believe that. And I didn't know this woman. So, you know, I don't know what to think of that. That was her story. But here are some people that I did know very well do. And in one case did in the other, because one of them is dead now. Um, and so I guess I'll go ahead and use his name. Uh, he wouldn't mind. He actually told this story on camera a few times. I had a friend named Johnny Caps, and Johnny Caps was he well, he was many things, but one of those things was a land developer. And so he and his wife bought this big, untamed, beautiful mountain in the countryside of Barnardsville, North Carolina. And they envisioned turning this mountain into a kind of a retreat where they would build various cabins as well as their own nice home. And they, they could have friends over for events or they could rent cabins out or do whatever they wanted. And as a matter of fact, when I filmed my first feature film at the age of 19 years old, um, I, uh, I stayed for a month with my crew on the mountain there and had a wonderful time. So that said, when Johnny, who was a man who worked with construction equipment all the time, he was up there on his bulldozer and backhoes and stuff like that. He'd be by himself, literally carving a brand new road, a brand new path through this rugged terrain. and Nobody knew exactly where he was going to be, what he was up to necessarily. And he said that one day he was sitting there on top of a bulldozer in the middle of nowhere on this mountain. And he turns to his right and there, leaning next to a tree, is a little man. And Johnny said as soon as he saw the little man, it made the hair stand up on the back of his neck. And he said the little man looked kind of like a little Native American. 
And he, he had clothes that looked a little bit like pioneer clothes. And he was wearing a kind of a little old farmer's hat with a decent brim on it. But the little man had the eeriest grin he'd ever seen, just grinning from ear to ear. And Johnny always kept at least one firearm on him. And Johnny said that he felt so afraid by this unexpected sight that he was too scared to even reach for his gun. It, it, it hit him on some kind of a, a guttural, instinctual level. And he said, he's frozen looking at the little guy, and the little guy disappeared. Johnny called it quits for the day. He was so rattled by this. He told his wife about it, and his wife believed him only because that she was his wife. And then a couple of days later, the same thing happened to him. This time he was near a a little uh, creek where he was going to build a little bridge. So he started talking around the community a little bit about this and found out that his experience was not so rare that other people had seen little folks like that that would just appear and just uh, seem very confident. They're always sort of off to the side, just checking you out, and then they just disappear. One way or another, they disappear. And... That happened to Johnny on a number of occasions, and he never came to grips with a good explanation for it in his mind, other than the fact that these were real. Second incident I'll tell you about happened to a couple of my friends who are um, still still you know, young guys. I, I don't want to use their name just in case that they're uh, about to apply for a surgeon's job tomorrow or something, and they don't want people to know they saw a little guy at one time. But anyhow, they were out fishing. Um, they were actually at a rushing stream that was near Lake Lure, North Carolina, and I believe they were doing some fly fishing. And it was one of those things where they'd gone out um, farther and farther to get away from everything. And as they're sitting there fishing, one of them looks up and notices that on a rock in the middle of the stream is just a little guy sitting there. They said it was not a child. It was obvious that this was it was a little man, and he, again, he had kind of like little pioneer clothes on. So one of them waved at the little guy, and the little guy was so far off that they couldn't tell what expression he had on his face, but he didn't appear to wave back. So after this little guy had been sitting there for about five minutes, they decided to go see what was up with this dude. So as soon as they got up and they started making their way across the rocks, the little guy takes off with unbelievable speed and agility, hopping from rock to rock to rock to rock. At this point, they start outright chasing him, which is completely futile. And they see this, uh, see this little guy kind of, you know, skip around from rock to rock until finally he's gone. And, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? If you were to catch that little guy, would he have some great treasure for you? You know, is there something to the story of the leprechaun with the pot of gold? Well, we can definitely see why that these beings uh, seem magical to us because they don't—they don't look like most of us. They appear 
and quietly watch us as if they don't want to really interact with us. They're just interested in seeing us. And then they disappear. We don't know where they go. And then you think of that behavior being perfect if you're going to be a trickster. That's kind of how a lot of tricksters would play, like the Yule ads that I mentioned. And sometimes tricksters, they take things like little underwear gnomes in South Park to come and steal your underwear. There may be some horde of treasures out there that one of these sneaky little folks has got because they're able to just sort of naturally pop in and out and take what they want. And uh, I guess that's one of the reasons that Santa's elves are so appealing because they are generous. They're not just popping up there to steal things from you. On the contrary, they are rewarding you. So, bottom line, um, are magical elves real? I've never seen one, but I think there's something to it. I really do. I think that it's one of those areas that is very, very difficult to study. So that really puts it more into the category of folklore than anything that we can nail down in a lab setting. Um, But I've heard people give me very sincere reports about such beings existing and uh, probably the elves that we associate with Santa Claus are some uh, exaggeration of a real phenomenon out there. And if you've ever seen a little person or you've had an encounter that you think is applicable to what I've just been describing, please send me an email. As a matter of fact, I hope you'll visit my website anyway. It's full of amazing content, especially if you're sitting at home snowed in right now. Go to joshuapwarren.com. There is a section there called Gallery of the Strange. And if you click on that, it's going to take you on a journey through all kinds of interesting stuff. There's one section that's just called Down the Rabbit Hole because it's just too odd to put into a particular category. So I hope you'll do that. It's not too late if you want to go to my curiosity shop and uh, get a gift shipped to you uh, before Christmas time, and you'll find things there you won't find anywhere else. And remember now, uh, I think we just have something like a couple more days left on the special discount to take my online paranormal investigation course. It's usually $499. Right now, it's $99 if you use the discount code. Holiday 100. You just type that in all together. Holiday 100, Holiday 100 on the shopping cart page, and you will magically see the price of the entire online course turn into $99. And you can take that at your own pace, at your own leisure, on your cell phone, your tab, um, whatever type of computer you have. No rush. Do it at whatever pace works for you. And then at the end of it, you take your test, you pass it, you get a nice certificate. So, again, check all that out at joshuapwarren.com. All right, uh, this podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. And if you go to my website, you can find a link there to the podcast at the top of the homepage. You can subscribe via various means, or you can follow me on Twitter, and I will tweet when a new one is available. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.